Welcome back to Talking Stocks. Joe and Todd with you here again. Todd, happy Friday. Good to see you. Um, hope you're liking the new setup. I do. I do. Joe's got rock. I don't know if you can I've see got it. my, yeah. For those of you who are listening, I've got like my air traffic controller headset here. Um, Todd says my audio quality is better. So that's good. And I have, I have a new external webcam. So I'm, I'm recording these on, on a, on a PC now instead of, instead of my old Mac. So hope, hope the time. audio and video is better. Yeah, going big time on a Friday. Joe, Joe, I am stoked. I'm going to give a shout out to my son, Emerson. He's graduating from high school today. And yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. There, you know, this is a win, not only for the, for the graduate, but also for the parents who helped carry their kids across the finish line. Yes. So really stoked for them. So that's my, my night's going to be uh, spent, you know, cheering and cheering him on for his success. So Huge to congratulations to Emerson yeah. and to Todd. That's great news. It's a very happy day in the Campbell house. It is. It yes. Is. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to kind of get back, I guess, to our, a little bit to our roots today. When we, when we kind of first started recording these back in the fall, we would, we would talk a lot more about individual stocks. And since then we've been, especially recently, we've been just talking a lot about, about philosophies and, and charts and patterns and seasonality. So really this is going to be an episode about several individual stocks, which I'm pretty excited about. So we want to talk about uh, Biogen. Because that was some that was some big news this week with the um, with the very controversial Alzheimer's drug that just got approved. Um, we want to talk about uh, Celsius Holdings and uh, Tenneco. I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> uh, just kind of looping back uh, on what we were talking about last week, and then also uh, I think there are some a couple of good chart stories with WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, and Dropbox. So uh, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a jam-packed show. So let's get into it. And Todd, why don't we start with Biogen? Because I think that's probably the probably the biggest news of the week. Huge news, Joe. Huge news. Six million people in the US alone are diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And this disease indication has been absolutely one of the most difficult to tackle for uh, researchers. I think that the approval of this drug from Aduhelm from Biogen is the first one in like 20 years, first new compound in 20 years or something that has been approved for the indication. I think, Joe, the failure rate in clinical trials for Alzheimer's disease drugs is sadly 99%. Wow. We just do not have, as a scientific community, a great enough grasp yet on the true cause of this devastating disease. And you know, people may not realize it, but it's the sixth leading killer of, of people annually in the United States. So, I mean, it's a very frustrating situation for people, families, and those um, who, who are concerned about, you know, or have loved ones who, who have Alzheimer's disease because there really just aren't any good treatment options. And I think that, Joe, kind of brings you to that question of the controversy associated with this approval because it is this tug of war in a way between there's not a lot of great options out there. And if you're out of options, maybe, just maybe, this drug will give you some benefit versus on the other side of that, 
the FDA just went out and approved a drug that in clinical trials really showed no clear benefit in improving symptoms. Yeah, that's that's crazy to me. I I guess if it if it doesn't have a negative effect, it might be worth a try for somebody who's in a desperate situation. I mean, what do you make of that, Todd? Well, you're you know, the you're the healthcare expert yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, there's this empirical thing. It's kind of like you know the 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 empirical evidence or the anecdotal 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 evidence you know associated with marijuana use as being this you know. Uh, medicine that can treat all your maladies type of thing. Yet when you take these drugs through clinical trials, it's kind of a toss. It's not, there's not, there's been very limited success. There's success in epilepsy for marijuana. But I mean, I, I guess my point is that you've got the potential maybe that some people may benefit from it anecdotally. Uh, the trial was a failure. I mean, there were two clinical pivotal trials. One of them completely was a bust. The other one showed some evidence towards improving symptoms, but didn't really meet the, the category necessary for, for you know, demonstrating that as a slam dunk. So there, at one point, Biogen shares had cratered because everybody said well, they're just going to shelve it. And this is a, what this drug does is it targets something in the brain called amyloid, amyloid beta. And the theory was that you get these uh, concentrations of amyloid beta on your neurons and those, those bundles of, of amyloid beta inhibit the, the signaling of neurons. And that's part of the reason that you have such a difficulty with uh, cognition and Alzheimer's disease. That's the theory. The dustbins for the last decade have been littered with failed amyloid beta targeting drugs. It just, they've, Lilly has one, they're still trying to figure out, uh, Johnson Johnson, they, all companies have, have tried this modality and it just hasn't panned out. What Biogen did though, is they went back and took a look at their data and said, huh, what if we take a look at this and try to spin it to the FDA differently? Spin's a wrong word, but try to present it to the FDA in a different way. And the way that they had, uh, approached it was give us emergency use or conditional approval contingent upon us doing a follow a study later on that can, you know, we can prove that it does improve symptoms and, and approve us based upon our ability to reduce those plaque buildups of amyloid beta. So rather than looking at the symptoms and how we, we handle the symptoms, instead approve us on the fact that yes, we are reducing those amyloid beta buildups on the neurons. And uh, that was the approval. That's why the FDA did it. But I mean, I, Joe, the advisory committee tasked with making a recommendation. So these are all doctors, specialists in Alzheimer's, right? Tasked with making a recommendation to the FDN whether to approve it, recommended against it last fall. So the FDA went against their advisory committee recommendation in approving this. And the only, the only thing I can think of as the reason to this, and this happened with Duchenne's muscular dystrophy as well, DMD, uh, with a Sarepta drug, Exondus 51, I think, um, was that the, the, the massive need for just some other treatment option and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't, but at least there's some sort of an option on the market that people can do. But this is, the stakes here, Joe, are huge. It's billions, billions. I think they priced the drug at $56,000 per year. Yeah, oh boy, here we go again with one of these. <laughs> Six million patients 
56,000 a year works out to something like $390 billion. Now, obviously, obviously people aren't going to pay 56 grand, right? Insurers and Medicare, uh, well, in, Medicare can't negotiate. That's a whole nother ball of wax, but insurers are going to negotiate price discounts. Um, maybe they get the, pro get, get the drug for half of that when all said and done. And, but you're, and, maybe, and of course, not every patient's going to take it. So maybe if you, but even if you get 10% of patients paying half the 56, so say like 28,000, um, you're still talking about a multi-billion dollar a year revenue drug for Biogen. Oh yeah. So this approval is huge for Biogen and that's why it's shares went to the moon. Yeah. So um, how did Biogen's shares react? Do you want to pull up a chart yeah, let's, just let's for- Do you have the, do you have your- uh, or do you want yeah, to... I can actually, I can pull it up on Active Trader Pro so while, here. While he's doing that, listeners, just as a reminder, we do post these to YouTube. Symbol um, BIIB, is that right? Yep, BIIB. We do post these to YouTube so you can see the charts alongside of it. We'll do our best to try and help you understand what we're seeing if you're just listening on Spotify, Apple, or one of the other fantastic podcast platforms. A big shout out to those of you who have already subscribed to the channel and who tune in week after week to listen to us ramble on about stocks. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of this journey with us. If you have not subscribed yet, please take a second right now and just click the subscribe button on YouTube uh, and ring the bell. So you'll be notified whenever we post a show. So Biogen, back to the chart. Biogen, this is this is one heck of a chart. <laughs> you think? So listeners, what we're looking at here is a stock that went from Joe, what is that? 290 the day before? Roughly? Uh, yeah, about 290, 285, 290. And, and, and the day of the approval got to as high as? Peaked at, where are we? Uh, 468. <sighs> Woo. <Yeah>. And really <laughs> has not given back much of those gains over the last four trading days. I mean, it's been bouncing around and it's down today, but I mean, we're still talking significantly higher. Where is it right now, Joe? Four? Uh, four, 400, 401. Yeah. Yeah. So, right up, right up here. Listeners or my so, or viewers, excuse me. Listeners have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> but <laughs> right here, right here. Yes. Uh, viewers right up here in the top left is the, uh, the ticker. So um, just, just to, to fill you all in um, this is I'll, I'll be sharing my screen a little bit more often than I used to. Uh, Active Trader Pro is notorious for not working well at all on Macs. And so now that I have it here on, on my PC, um, I, I thought that it would be, it would be helpful to see a tool that a lot of you can use because I'm sure many of you have Fidelity accounts. And so also side note, one of the things I'm going to do next week is I'm going to, I'm going to publish a little tutorial on how you can get these uh, moving averages onto your default chart. So we have the, uh, you're seeing the 21 day here in red, the blue is the 50 day and the green is the 200 day. So those are the exact ones that Todd uses on his MarketSmith charts. Right, and we're not compensated by Fidelity or MarketSmith to hype these. These just happen to be the platforms that we happen to use. Yes, they happen to be. Person. They happen to be very useful tools. Yeah, absolutely. So again, Joe, just going back to this, I mean, this just goes to show you just how binary events in biotech can move stocks. Right. I mean, this was the company has made all, made all of its money on multiple sclerosis drugs. It, may, it basically got rid of its um, its its other drugs, uh, sold them off, split them out. 
and focused on CNS diseases. So central nervous system diseases, including Alzheimer's. So this was like a moonshot deal for them, but it's huge to their optionality of the business growing and expanding into this other indication. So nobody believed that this would get approval based upon A, the trial data and B, the fact the advisory committee recommended against it and yet they approved it. So when you have that kind of a situation playing out, when the odds are against it and then it ends up happening, it's understandable why the stock jumped as much as it did. Absolutely. So I think with that, uh, we'll pivot to another uh, somewhat similar vertical stock movement. Uh, and let's talk about, this should be a fun one. Let's talk about WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment. This is a this is a fun stock, Todd. You do you own this in your portfolio? I do. I am long WWE. I'm yeah, up, I'm up a nice amount of it now. That now that it finally broke out. So here's um, the here's the chart, folks. Uh, yeah, just out absolutely massive blowout volume here on what what day was this, Todd? Like three days ago, yeah. Tuesday, so, yeah. Yeah, Tuesday. And then, yeah. you know, that's the whole meme thing again, right, Joe? I mean, we've seen these memes. I get a hold of it and these things get, you know, there's a lot of short interest in world wrestling entertainment, you know, yep. 10 days to cover short. And um, if you stop sharing, um, Joe, I will sure. go over and share my screen so I can pull up something else that I wanted to show our listeners on WWE. But I mean, really, Joe, this is, you know, I have never, since Hulk Hogan retired, I have been much of a WD uh, follower. I don't follow it closely. But, you know, I do appreciate the fact that, you know, we're talking about entertainment. And importantly, we're talking about entertainment that can be consumed not just through pay-per-view or whatever, but live. That's right. And A that COVID reopening yes. play, as we've mentioned before. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, really, that's that's the um, you know, impetus or whatever for why this stock, you know, it has caught a lot of people's attention. But it's also why so many people were short this thing and st are still short it because of the assumption, oh, that their business is going to be in trouble because they can't do their live performances and, and, you know, they can't leverage that for money. And we are at, Joe, 9.9 .9 days to cover held short. 10 days of average daily volume it would take for all the people who are short WWE to, get, to cover their positions and be long. Usually we reward in our research model, free, free trial below, uh, in our research score, we reward five days or more. So 10 days is a lot, 10 days a lot. But you, you know, this checks marks a lot of businesses, a lot of the, um, the things I like to look for in a, in a company, especially on the earnings side. Because again, with the COVID reopening plays, kind of stupid, right, Joe, to think about what the current revenue is versus a year ago. I mean, it's like, it's, it's not, yes, it's down. I mean, because businesses were closing in the first quarter of, 2020 and now they're reopening so i mean the business is going to be lower but joe as we get a few more quarters in now you're going to be having numbers from reopening leveraged against very low easy comparisons from those quarters where nothing was happening right look at that eps though that's that's strange to me well you know i think about it they were remain profitable yeah 2020 dollar 66 Fiscal 2021, $1.69, so flatlining. And then 2022 expected to grow 31%. 
So, and I mean, really the year over year down 9% in the first quarter, much better than the prior quarter, which was down 26% year over year. So there's, there's a stair step pattern here towards this reopening play for WWE. And, you know, there's, there, there's optionality here theoretically because of things like non-fungible tokens, right? The ability to take, you know, all of this fantastic content that WWE has um, as far as merchandising and everything else opportunities and be able to now, you know, maybe leverage that into an entire new brand of digital collectibles is kind of exciting and could be causing a little bit of the, of spark and interest as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Just curious, Todd, cause I'm, I'm actually interested in potentially adding this one to my personal portfolio. What would you approximately not because I know you're you're not a huge fan of specific entry points, but approximately what what would you be looking for for an entry point there? All right. So of course you asked me the question just after I closed the chart, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so let's go back to the chart again. I'll reopen that for uh, for you. listeners and viewers so they can see that. So I mean, obviously, um, you know, I accumulate down here in the in the mid fifty range. Um, you've got this bust out, which has now created a gap on Tuesday. Gaps don't have to fill, Joe, but as we've said on the show before, they often fill. So you can see us partially filling the gap today down four and a half percent. You can see this prior support here at 60 and 61.32. And then if you kind of draw this, you know, hover this line over, that gets me to about 58.59 would be a, a really good fill of the gap. You don't have to fill the gap the whole way though. And I wouldn't get too cute with it, Joe, because then you miss the opportunity of buying it. Right. So typically speaking, when I get a 5% down day in a stock I've been watching and everything else check marks my boxes, I usually take advantage of that. And I usually buy into the close in the final 15 minutes. That way I reduce the risk that maybe someone big out there has been sitting on their shares trying to unload them all throughout the day, but hasn't been able to. And then finally at the end of the day has to puke them out to the market and knock things down to their low of the day. So I tend to wait until the last 15 minutes or so of the day to hopefully insulate myself against a little of that intraday risk. So yeah, no, I, I think that if you haven't bought it in this check marks box, you know, if you like it and you think, that, I mean, this is not a bad entry. All right. Well, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on the chart for the rest of the day. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I might try to, might, might see if it drops down to, to 61 even. And even if it doesn't, I still might, still might open a small position in it. So I'll keep, I'll keep you all posted. So I'm just going to pull up our agenda here again. Um, oh yeah. So how about uh, Celsius holdings? So we talked about Celsius on the show last week. Um, it, if I recall correctly, it, it's just just recently got a score in our research after an IPO and a pretty good score, right? And yeah, then, it's been a, a high scoring stock for a, a good amount of weeks now. And yeah. um, another, again, another stock listener. So you know that I'm I, full disclosure here. I own this stock, um, but it got whacked yesterday. I think it fell 15%, something crazy like that because of an offering. It's been like attack of the offerings, Joe. Yeah, they, they really have just just put a big damper on on some some very hot stocks so if you want i can pull up the chart for this one uh give me just one second here yeah so listeners just to give you a little background celsius um again we're talking about energy drink ma maker um really got popular within gyms 
but that popularity has now allowed it entrance into more doors, grocery stores, convenience stores. And then since, you know, if sales are good, then you can grow your shelf space as well within those locations, displacing some other beverages. So Celsius is kind of in that, the, I want to say it's kind of in the early mid innings of penetrating the 200,000 or so grocery stores and convenience stores out there that it can target. I think uh, as of the last quarter, it was in 92,000 stores. It has adopted a model where it's able to, you know, get distributors on board to help them with this. And, you know, it's certainly possible that we continue to see this, that number of doors continue to increase. And that's my thesis for why I'm owning it, I'm owning it is because I believe that there's enough interest in the beverage, people like it, um, to both expand the shelf space within the current doors and also win new doors because, you know, kind of like, you know, Snapple way back in the day or something, if you didn't carry the beverage, people walk into your store, that's what they're actually looking for and they can't get it. Well, guess what? You just lost the sale. So we're looking at the chart now of Celsius. You can see it's been a little bit of a bucking Bronco, kind of a wild ride since the beginning of January. Um, but you know, this is, and this is the offering. You can see that gap down on the far right-hand side, Joe, right? So we, we had that nice run up, then we had a gap down, maybe in anticipation, you know, you can't tell me things don't leak out. You can tell me that stock is down two days prior to the offering announcement and somebody didn't know that an offering was coming. Okay, well, whatever. So then you've got that big gap down, which is again, gaps usually fill. So I'm, so there's two things that I'm looking at here, Joe, on this chart or with this company is one, how, con how confident am I in the story of uh, shelf space and door growth? And I'm pretty confident in that. So that doesn't worry me. Two, now I have a gap down, but I have a reason for a gap down, you know, an offering. You know, an offering simply what's happening is I think they did six and a half million shares. I think five and a half million were for inside selling shareholders. People sell for a lot of reasons. Pete, my my view on insider activity has shifted dramatically since early on in my career. I only pay attention to insider buys because insider selling I feel like doesn't really tell me anything because there's so many reasons that people will sell stocks. It, I agree with that. Yeah, it's just it's it's it becomes being a lot of noise. And you know what? I don't fault somebody who owns a lot of shares has been there since the early days and, you know, wants to buy a beach house, you know, I mean, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that they're any less confident in the business, you know, that, you know, I mean, life, life marches on and at some points you have to ring the register with a little bit of your shares. Um, so, you know, I think that generally speaking with offerings, I don't pay them much mind. Um, especially if it's younger companies that are either one allowing for some exits from insiders, some um, you know rewarding from their hard work so far, uh, or uh, they're raising capital. We saw this in biotech a lot when I used to spend a lot of time talking biotech, where you'd see offerings to because it's a cheap form of financing, Joe. That's right. You know, let the we, GameStop did this. AMC did this. Right, it's a cheap form of financing. Issue more shares to shareholders who are willing to buy them, and now you don't have the interest expense on showing up in your income statement every quarter from a loan. It makes sense. So, so I I think that this is a, a I think this is a normal reaction to what we would see in an offering. And my expectation, whether or not it comes true or not, but my expectation would be that a couple of days from now we start to find our footing and start to march higher again. We'll see.
Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, the the chart setup, I I know you like this chart setup, Todd, where it's it's right almost at that 21 day moving average, well above the the 50 day and obviously worlds above the the 200 day, which is down at 44, stock trading at about 62 bucks as we as we record this at about 1:30 Eastern on Friday. So I think that's a that's a good place to wrap that up. And then uh, the last one we wanted to talk about was Tenneco, which we we also brought up on the show last week or the week before. We may have talked about this one twice already now, but it's a it's a good one. Well, it's interesting. And I beat you to it on sharing the screen here so I can pull that one up totally. um, because I, th- I do think it's interesting. And it's a little bit easier to see what I want to share with folks on Tenneco here. Um, so if you look at this chart, this is really fascinating to me. So we've, as we talked about in the show a couple of weeks back, you've got a company that's expected to earn in fiscal 2022 $4.78 per share. Now, this is a stock that uh, I think Carl Icahn, activist investor, one of the more famous investors of our time, he's been involved in this stock. Uh, and again, I think that this is a situation where the company had taken on a lot of debt from acquisitions and other things. So it had a lot of debt. A lot of people were wondering about, okay, well, what's going to happen with automotives during COVID? So I kind of got, this kind of got forgotten and was just going sideways basically from June all the way through March, you know, trending between, you know, maybe seven, eight bucks and maybe 12, 13 bucks. As people get more confident with, you know, post-pandemic COVID living, (laughs) not post-COVID living or whatever, you know, they're going to start driving the cars more and that's going to, you know, increase the need for aftermarket parts. Um, You're also going to see as the chip shortage resolves itself, you know, we had a great show, uh, Joe, that you led us on, on the chip shortage a few, a few months back, maybe now at this point. So listeners, if you want to go back and learn more about the chip shortage and the implications of it, please find that in uh, our past episodes. I'll put a link below. Okay, great. And, um, yeah, so I mean, you know, as that as that normalizes and supply starts to increase and we can get production boosted, that's going to help out the OEM demand, you know, um, for this company. So that's got estimates, again, trending higher, 25% higher year over year in 22, expected to earn $3.81 here in 21. Yet even after the stock has more than doubled in the last two months, Joe, it's trading at $21 and it's expected earnings next year are 478 that's like four, four or five times earnings. Yeah, that's that's still we we mentioned it when we when we talked about Tenneco the first time. Like that's a that's a really excellent valuation, especially in this day and age where you know there are there are biotech stocks and and technology stocks that are trading at at thirty or fifty times revenue. So yeah. we yeah. Um, needless to say, we like the stonk. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's high scoring in the research. And the only thing I would say, people, is okay. So this is okay. We're going to get into the weeds a little bit on technicals for a second. Okay. Go so ahead. see this bar over here on June third is this big spike that it had moved up, fifteen uh, percent up day in the early June. Right. That would be considered a flagpole. And then you can see these are a series of one, two, three, four inside days, which means that the intraday uh, distance or range is smaller than the prior day. So you can see it tightening up like that. And Joe, what does this look like to you? If this was a flagpole, 
And then this was more of a, let's see if I can draw this. <laughs> so a line there and a line there and a flagpole. Yeah, that's a flag. Looks like a pennant, actually. Yes, it does. Right? So it looks like a pennant. Now, we did have a huge update yesterday, which looked like it was going to be the breakout from a pennant formation, but it finished on the low of the day. So the intraday reversal was a lot of people came out and took some profits there and knocked back down. That worries me a little bit. Up a little bit today, up about 2% today, but I am a little nervous here about this stock because we have had a huge move in it. So I would just say that you kind of you kind of either have to take a short-term approach to it where you're going to run a stop loss really close below it or a longer-term approach where you're going to say, okay, I'm going to play this out for the next six months and let's see what happens. Because, I mean, I could see the stock going to 15 as equally as I could see it going to 25, you know, from where it is today. Um, so I, I think its stock is cheap. I like its opportunities. I own it. Um, I consider it a rental, Joe. You know, we've talked in the, in the show about forever versus rentals. I consider it a rental. I'm going to keep it for a little while longer. We'll see how it plays out with price. But I am going to put a tire leash on it now that I've made, you know, so much money in a very short period of time um, because it, it has moved a lot and theoretically could digest some of those gains. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a wise move. So with that, um, I'm curious as we wrap things up here, what, what's on, what's on, what else is on your mind, Todd? What's, uh, what stocks are on your mind? Anything in particular? Let's, let's do a round of, um, top stocks, top, top stocks, stocks rapid fire. Eye. Yeah. Let's do the smattering coming at you. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I went through all of the large cap, mid cap, small cap, best and worst reports, just hunting for stocks where I felt like, okay, I can, I can come up with a story, a reason, a thesis for wanting to own them along. And there's an interesting chart formation that would help me. Cause again, I like to use the story first and then use the charts for helping me with entry and exit points. So I'm going to bring up my uh, my charting service here. And I'll pull up the first stock uh, and it's gonna be in a hot group that we've talked about for months, the energy sector. Uh, and it's National Energy Services Reunited, N-E-S-R. And this company, Joe, is an energy services provider focusing on the Middle East and North Africa. So think about, okay, I am, think of it this way. It's a service provider to OPEC, okay? So if anybody who has been following commodity prices, inflation, talking about mid-cycle stocks like we have it for a long time, oil crossed 70 bucks a barrel earlier this week. And the International Energy Association, they now think that we are gonna reach post-pandemic consumption, oil consumption levels late next year, where previously they thought it would take until 2023. So globally, the economies are heating up. Inflation is heating up. That's why we're seeing oil prices rise because demand is so strong. But you still have a lot of producers who are dragging their feet on ramping up their production because they don't want to kill the golden goose. They want to find that sweet spot between, okay, I want to keep demand high enough where I'm going to be able to get the price. But I also want to be able to start to increase my production a little bit so I'm capturing um, more barrels, that price off across more barrels. To me, 
that is a sweet spot for energy service companies like NESR, because it means that, okay, slowly but surely, and then much more rapidly as, as everybody starts to race one another to increase production, you're going to see increased demand for these providers that are serving these companies. Like again, this one serves uh, the Middle East. So Joe, what is the theory here? The theory is, is OPEC going to keep its foot on the brake on production forever? Or is it more likely that OPEC is gonna to start to see these high oil prices and think, hmm, I can twist that spigot a little bit more and maybe get a couple more barrels out into the market at that high price. And if you agree with me that it's likely they're gonna twist the spigot, then I think that that means that NESR is a stock that could see its revenue and its earnings grow. Grew 15% year over year in the December quarter, reports scheduled to report its first quarter on 615. So next week, so just be wary of that because you don't wanna be gaming earnings, but they do have earnings coming next week. So it'll be interesting to see what they say. 2022 analysts think up 58% on earnings to $1.44, which means the stock is only trading about 11 or 12 times next year earnings. Market cap is only 1.4 billion. And Joe, you know, I like to look at volume. You've got rising buy volume, including this big bust out volume, highest volume uh, on the chart uh, that I've got displayed, uh, one year chart. Um, so, I mean, you've got this huge volume a few days ago and no real sell volume in it. So yeah, that's the first stock that I wanted to highlight is again, symbol there, N-E-S-R. Joe, do you like uh, hard seltzers? Yeah, I've been known to drink a hard seltzer or two. More of a beer fan myself, but you know, there are, there are times where a hard seltzer is very refreshing. A lot of people like hard seltzers. More and, and more. One, yeah, and it's one of the reasons that Boston Beer, symbol Sam, which I happen to belong, and this is not the stock I'm going to talk about today, but it's giving a backdrop. It's one of the reasons that it's been so successful is because of its Truly brand, right? Well, the next stock I want, stock I want to bring up is very, very interesting to me. It's Coca-Cola. Now, Coca-Cola is a stock that I own in my portfolio. And Joe, they're getting into hard seltzers. This is news to me. They have a brand. Uh, it's, it's already been pretty successful in Texas called Topo Chico. Good Topo name. Chico. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, pretty successful. And when I say pretty successful in the earnings called Transcript Coca-Cola, they said that they'd already achieved a 20% market share in Texas. Wow. That's crazy. That is crazy. Now in the U.S., they're rolling this out in more states now. They say that their share is only 3% of hard seltzer right now. And of course, with a company as big as Coke, you're gonna need a lot of growth to even move the needle a little bit. Right. But my assumption is this category is big enough. People are being social. They're gonna to wanna to go out and have beverages. If Topo Chico offers a, a uh, catches some wind in the sails, it could become a catalyst or a story that helps drive the stock higher. So Coca-Cola symbol KO, uh, expected to grow earnings this year, 12% to $2.18. Next year, 8% to $2.36. Revenue up 5% in the most recent quarter. Joe, why do you think, do you have a guess on why I think 5% revenue growth for Coca-Cola in Q1 is, is pretty darn good? Um, I would... 
I mean, my my gut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm if I'm a guessing man, which I suppose I am, my my gut says that to like Q1 of 2021 is January, February, March. We were really still very much in the thick of COVID then. And so my my instinct tells me 5% revenue growth in the, you know, the the food and beverage climate, if you will, that was the first three months of this year were not all that much different from the the first three months of last year. Maybe, maybe a little bit because I, I guess we were just getting into that COVID decline in March. But I think that I, I think that, you know, the the if if you were to look at like restaurant volume, like in in 2020, it was going like this in the first three quarters. And in 2021, it was basically the opposite. So I would guess they're about the same. Exactly. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at and saying, okay, you had a starting, you started to see the drop off in, in fountain drink sales in probably late in the first quarter of 2020. It, and then of course, all the restaurants were closing in Q2 and Q3, right? So really, really depressing the revenue. And if you look back at the June 30th quarter for Coca-Cola last year, its revenue was down 28% year over year. So it just goes to show you how steep the how steep the drop off is, but it also shows you how much this company can benefit from restaurants reopening. Oh For yeah, their sales to have fallen twenty eight percent largely because of the closure of restaurants. Well, guess what? Now that restaurants are opening again. That's, I think that's going to be a bullish tailwind for Coca-Cola. So there's, there's two arguments I make there on the thesis, the Topo Chico argument and also the reopening of restaurants. All right, back over to energy again. Shine, I'm going to budget this one, Joe. <laughs> I, I'd go with Chenier. Chenier? Uh, that's, Chenier the, that's the high school Louisiana. French student in me. Yeah, it's a Louisiana uh, company, right, I think. so. Um, or oh, yeah. That makes sense. Actually, Texas headquartered, but they they have operations in Louisiana, Chen- Chenier <laughs> Energy Partners, <laughs> and they're big into LNG, so liquefied natural gas. So they're buying any they're buying natural gas from shale producers. They're um, making it cold, <laughs> liquefying it, and putting it on boats and shipping it all over the world. And you know, it's, I guess the assumption here is that if you have strong prices for natural gas. Um, you're going to have big demand overseas to import from places that have lots of natural gas, like we do here in the United States. And LNG is more expensive, but, you know, again, becomes a lot more to parity versus, you know, other areas around the world when prices are, are skyrocketing uh, in those other parts of the world. So, you know, I think that this is a, a, an interesting play in a few different ways, Joe, because you've got the potential to for increased demand from LNG. Uh, most of their revenue comes from from contracts where you know either pay or go, but whatever it's a contract, so you have some sort of revenue clarity into it. But they do have save aside some amount of their supply that they can price in the market, so they'll see some spot pricing benefit. Um, this company pays a six percent dividend yield, so you know you've got a situation where okay, demand could be better, pricing is stronger. Maybe you get a little bit more supply running through the system and I get a benefit of a dividend. So CQP and, and a nice chat, chart set up for those people who are watching on the YouTube video or listening at home. Um, you know, they, Again, another situation where you've got a channel, stock has been trading sideways, kind of in the middle of the channel. If it gets above 45, it's a breakout. It could pull back to 40 and still be within its channel. So 
maybe if you get a down day, two, three, I like to go three or 5% down days, that might be worth buying. So CQP is the symbol there. Next one's gonna be much more widely known, Joe. I'm not sure if you own this, I do. PayPal, P-Y-P-L. I don't own it at the moment. Uh, it's been it's been on a watch list ever since I opened an account, though. And it's bounced around a lot. I think we talked about it in the show once before, where it had a big breakout in the January February period, and then the whole market rolled over, took this one down with it. It's been going sideways pretty much since mid February. Well, now it seems to be digesting that move and starting to re-exert itself. Thirty-one percent year-over-year growth in the first quarter. 22% EPS growth expected this year, 24% EPS expected next year. And Joe, if you expect that more people are going to be using their rising discretionary income because of wage growth to buy more stuff, then it's hard for me to argue against PayPal being a beneficiary of the increase in transaction volume. So PayPal is one I wanted to mention. Next up on the list, Another one that's hard to pronounce. Zoomies? Zoomies? I believe it's I believe it's Zoomies. 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 Okay, so now we're we're targeting clothing. Young men's and, and women's apparel and footwear uh, operated in stores throughout the United States. And if you look across this entire basket, you're seeing more and more interest in these mall-based um, apparel sellers. Yeah, and we talked I, about Under Armour last week, right? Yeah, Under Armour and Guess we talked about, and there's a whole bunch of them. Abercrombie and um, American Eagle's been doing well, and Gap's been doing well, and you're seeing, you know, all of these uh, retailers that sell clothing are doing well. And why is that, Joe? What's your guess on that? Reopening play. Reopening, right? We all gained some weight during COVID. We can't wear the same clothes we had pre-COVID. We got to go out and we got to actually refresh our wardrobe. And guess what? We have more consumer discretionary income to be able to buy those clothes too, by the way, because even the part-timers, young men and women who may be working part-time while they're in college or whatever, are earning, Joe, 12, 15 bucks an hour uh, at a lot of these stores, be it a Best Buy or a Chipotle or a Starbucks or whatever. Um, so again, companies growing 46% earnings growth expected in fiscal 2022 to $4.37, which means it's trading about 11 times um, 2022 estimates. Revenue, Joe, year over year, up 103%. Obviously a huge beneficiary of stores having closed or significantly limiting the amount of people into them. Now reopening a little bit and allowing more people into the stores. Yeah. Great news for, great news for retail. All right. Next up, McKesson, symbol MCK. McKesson, and you may actually have seen vans or small trucks driving around your neighborhoods. They are kind of like a, think of them as a supplier to, a supplier to healthcare companies, a supplier to pharmacies, a supplier to healthcare companies. Uh, basically anything that hospitals and pharmacies would need to buy, they can get through McKesson, right? So this company has been theoretically a, a beneficiary a little bit um, from COVID inspired demand. But you, know, you have to remember that a lot of people held off in going to primary care visits and held off in elective surgeries and those kind of things. So there was a lot of activity basically that has been bottlenecked in the healthcare system that could now be released. And if that bottleneck release, releases, then theoretically a stock like McKesson could be a beneficiary. So I like that one as well. 
Next up, Lifetime Brands, Joe, small cap company, only a 366 market cap, million market cap company. They make a lot of kitchenware. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the KitchenAid brand, but that's oh, yeah. their brands. And their revenue, Joe, in the last quarter was up 35% year over year to $195 million. And they used the COVID shutdown and declining demand as an opportunity, a lot of companies did, to get rid of some of the excess uh, spending they have in their organization. So margins typically, people, when you come out of a recessionary period or a period of declining demand, a lot of these companies will, will get rid of excess costs. And that makes their margins expand when the revenue comes back. So your, your run rate margin could be higher than it was pre-pandemic because of those cost restructurings. Um, so I think, again, Joe, this is, this is a, uh, people have more money in their pockets, uh, they're buying more homes, and they're probably upgrading some of the things that they're using in their kitchen. So the symbol there is L-C-U-T. Getting a little bit of rapid fire here because I know we're going long. Uh, Salesforce.com is a name that more people may be familiar with in the technology space, especially if they work for a business in the sales organization. It's uh, basically customer relationship management software and they, they are the Goliath. So if you're selling to a business uh, and you're, you've got to keep track of who your prospects are and you need to know how your current clients are buying and selling and you need to stay in touch with them. You need to manage those relationships. Likely this is the software you're using to do this. They are acquiring Slack, symbol W-O-R-K. And uh, I mean, it's just a big, a big company operating in the cloud, cloud software company. And Joe, it's really been going sideways since December. And I think there's a good opportunity here because you know, you're back above the 200-day moving average. The 50-day and the 21-day moving average are curling up and could cross over. You don't have the volume yet that I like to see, Joe. So I want to see some more volume come in, but I think we could get it. And you know, you're talking about double-digit top and bottom line growth. So if you haven't owned Salesforce yet in your portfolio, and I consider it to be you know, a core technology name that you would want to have in a diversified portfolio, then this might not be a bad place to go up, step up and take a swing at picking up some shares. And then Joe, the very last stock for our smatter and our top ideas this week is NetEase. Symbol there is N-T-E-S. And this comes out of our best and worst ADRs report, which we put out every week, free link below. And NetEase is, you know, basically they're, they're a platform, um, big Asia, targeting Asia, Chinese interactive online gaming com community uh, that allows portable and wireless value-added services. So basically they are enabling people primarily in Asia to be able to entertain themselves online. And revenue in the most recent quarter was up 30% year over year to 3.1 billion. And you're talking about two, in 2021, seeing your earnings grow 25%, in 2022, growing 17%. And Joe, you've pulled right back to that 21-day moving average. And I like it when stocks rally on nice big volume, and then they kind of go sideways or down on kind of average or below volume. And then they get to these support levels on the 50 and the 21-day moving average. And that can be enough of a little area where buyers come back in, they start to move this thing back up. So there are nine stocks that people can look to add to their watch list. Wonderful. 
well, that's a that's a great way to wrap things up for the week, I think. So, Todd, I'll see you next week. Everybody, we'll see you, talk to you next week. Um, if you haven't joined our Discord yet, please do. Lots of great uh, back and forth discussion going on in there. Lots of great idea sharing. Uh, we've got a lot of a lot of members in there who are uh, really really fun to talk to. So it's been it's been a fun ride so far. So we'll see you all next week. Take care, everybody.